Hello, and welcome to Episode 7 of Let's Run, the Western Mass Running Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Gaudet. This podcast is made possible thanks to the resources at East Hampton Media. On this podcast, I chat with Tim and Jill Murphy from 4Run3 in East Longmeadow. Tim and Jill discuss some of the challenges that they encountered while opening their 4Run3 running store last spring, just as the pandemic was forcing businesses to reduce capacity or shut down. In addition to the running store, Tim and Jill lead popular 4Run3 training groups for runners of all abilities and also provide race timing and management services. I first met Tim and Jill back in early fall of 2018 while I was training for the New York City Marathon. My friend Jeff Harrington, who was on the Let's Run podcast a few weeks ago to talk about Team Red, White, and Blue, Jeff ran with one of their training groups on Wednesday evenings and invited me to join. Jill then let me participate in the Philadelphia Marathon training group as a drop-in runner on their weekend long runs while I was training for New York City. I got to know many of the runners and experienced the camaraderie that comes with being part of a group working towards a common goal. So I can personally attest to the popularity of the 4Run3 training groups. The 4Run3 Running Club Facebook page has 840 members. In addition to the running store and training groups, we also talk about the Hoop City Marathon planned for Springfield. This event didn't quite get off the ground in 2019 and was stymied by the pandemic last year and this year. But going forward, and I almost think I can call this breaking news, Tim Murphy stated that he plans to work with the city of Springfield to hopefully make the Hoop City Marathon a reality in the fall of 2022. Remember, you heard it here first. So now, my conversation with Tim and Jill Murphy from 4Run3. And stay tuned afterwards for an update of local running events. I'd like to welcome Jill and Tim Murphy to the podcast. It's good to see you on Zoom and and talk with you. It's been a while since I've been to East Longmeadow, uh, but we received exciting news this week from Governor Baker about the lifting of restrictions and the resumption of road races, which will be permitted again starting on May 10th. So thanks, uh, thanks so much for chatting with me in the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having us, Tim. Yes. It's great. So I'd like to start out by talking about the, you know, the overall four run three business and, and then you know, get into some detail about you know, your, your store, your, your training groups, uh, your race timing and directing um, in the Hoop City Marathon perhaps, and, and, and then your running in general. So uh, we'll start out with, uh, just, let's talk about four run three, just um, in your own words, what, what is four run three? It's, I know it's more than a store. Um, yeah, well, so four run three kind of spun out of, I mean, the, the four and three, the running club has been around for a while. Um, and we utilize the club for, you know, different things and started as a group. And that's kind of where the idea of the store came from. So four run three as a retail side came out of that piece. Um, and yeah, it's, you know, it's a retail, a retail store, um, training groups. Um, it's a meet, you know, community location, you know, people, pop in, go for a run, you know, I know there's a big social component to it. I, there is, I there is. That myself, by the way. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's true. Right. Um, there is, yeah, there's a huge, you know, uh, social piece to it. And that was, you know, honestly, as we put the store together and kind of had that vision, that's one of the things we talked about was having, um, a, a space where people, you know, could just kind of go for a run, 
you know, pop in after and, and uh, have a, a coffee or, or an adult beverage when it makes itself available. Um, you know, so there's a piece of the store that we'll, which it's kind of funny, we haven't been able to uh, utilize because we've been literally been in, in, in a pandemic or under pandemic, you know, COVID restrictions since we opened. Um, but there's a piece of the store that's designed as a community section for people to hang out, you know, we'll have some seating, you know, areas where we can list um, up, upcoming events or races. Um, yeah, things like that, where people can hang out and see kind of what's going on in the area for, for races and stuff. Yeah, so I'd like to talk about the opening of the store and, and the pandemic. So you, you opened, I believe it was in March of 2020. It was right before the time that the pandemic forced businesses to either close or adapt. Uh, so it's, it must've been difficult enough just to open a business in general, but, but then to add the pandemic on top of that must've multiplied the degree of difficulty uh, by, by a large factor. Can, can you talk about the challenges that you confronted when you, when you opened your store and how did, how did you deal with them? Absolutely. So when we actually, you are correct, we were getting ready to open in March. Um, a lot of the construction on the new space, we did ourselves. So we um, experience the usual construction delays when you try to do anything yourself. And that actually, it somewhat worked out in our favor because we had wanted to work open around the holiday season before the shutdown. Um, but had we done that, we would have had to sit on a whole lot of inventory for all those years when, when we wouldn't, I'm sorry, for all those months when we weren't allowed to be open. So we had the construction delays and then we, when everything shut down, we actually didn't have a lot of inventory, which ended up being a good thing because then we, we weren't, um, you know, also having the bills that go with those inventory, that inventory. So it, that worked out okay, <laughs> that, that we try to look for silver linings. Um, but then what ended up happening is when we had, when we first opened, it was curbside only um, and as a specialty running store, there's very little you can do curbside. Um, our whole premise is the experience of being in the store and being fit for shoes and trying on apparel and you know getting to touch and feel all the different things, all the gadgets and everything. Um, so curbside was kind of hard and we weren't prepared for that. So we ended up having to pretty quickly ramp up on our plan of putting together a website where you could purchase on the website. That was kind of a back burner thing for us going before COVID hit. Um, we figured we'd do the store first and then we'd build an online store because our really our business was not meant to be online. So we kind of had to switch that around and online had to become our priority. So we scrambled and we did the very best we could um, to build an online store so that people could it, to the best that we uh, we could make happen, see the products, know what we had in stock, um, and then order it to, for curbside pickup. But then the other challenge that came along with that is that because of all of the shutdowns all across the country and all across the world, a lot of inventory was really hard to get. So shipping was a mess, warehouses were a mess, places didn't have staff. So for our very first couple of months, we really, we really didn't have a lot of inventory. We were limited in what could be delivered to us. And we're still experiencing the 
the the backlash of that we still have vendors that are having trouble you know there's the ships stuck in the canals and the ships stuck out, out in the pacific ocean because the workers can't work because they have covid like it's it's still a struggle um to get inventory right now um and at times it's a struggle to open new accounts because the reps are not traveling and they're not coming out and a lot of a lot of companies have put a freeze on opening new accounts so because of covid so it's in that way it's definitely been a struggle but i do have to say that our running community has been behind us like 200% from the very beginning we've had to cap our running groups um to ensure social distancing. We've have so many, so many loyal people who have really helped support us. And our big thing was we just have to make it through the winter. <laughs> I, I credit our, our community for the support that they've given us for the for the fact that we did make it through the winter. Great. Yeah, I wanna I want to talk about your running group um, soon, but um, just to follow up on the the the, the online portion of your business. So you had to develop that more rapidly uh, than you had originally anticipated. Is, is that something you're going to maintain once things get back to normal? Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, there's definitely plenty of people that shop online still. It right. was just not something that we had made. We had It wasn't our priority because we didn't really want to be an online retailer, you know, primarily. But mm. it's a piece you have to have. You I have mean, to you, have it. You kind of have to offer it. it, it it's um, people want to be able to shop at their convenience too, you know? So, um, yeah. And it still amazes me, honestly, how many orders we get from, uh, Far away. like, yeah, other parts of the country. Oh, wow. That obviously we wouldn't get right. If we were uh, only brick and mortar and people had to come into the store. So yeah, it'll be a piece that stays. No, oh, that's good. That's good. So, um, I want to talk about running shoes a little bit. I, I, I know that's, I know you sell more than shoes, of course, but that's, a. a, a probably the primary item that, that you do sell. Um, sure. So just to educate our listeners, what are the different types of running shoes? I mean, like I, I try to wear stability shoes, is lightweight shoes, you motion style, control, yeah. trail oh, yeah, shoes. Yeah, right, so yeah, so you have different categories. I mean, so one of the things we do right in the store is um, we put people through a fit process, right? So um, folks come in and they say, hey, you know, I'm having this problem or that problem, or they just come in and say, I need to get fit for, you know, running shoe, I need to buy a new running shoe. And so, um, in the store here, there's a 3D scanner. So we actually scan your feet. Uh, it takes a 3D impression of your foot. It does some pressure mapping. Um, there's uh, currently static pressure mapping. Uh, there's a, a piece coming that is gonna add uh, a dynamic piece to that. So you actually walk across the mat uh, that will come, I believe uh, next month actually. Um, so yes, yeah, so we take the, the scan of your foot so we can kind of get an idea of um, all the important measurements of your foot, uh, but then we're getting an idea of foot function, right? So we watch you walk. Um, we kind of discuss um, things that are bothering you, injuries. Um, you know, we're looking at blisters, calluses, things that would affect, you know, what type of a shoe you've either been in or injuries that you're dealing with. Uh, and then we look at the shoe wall, right? And so there are, you know, different categories of shoes. And then those within those categories, you can also kind of adjust a particular shoe within a category with uh, with an insert or an orthotic, right? That we sell over the counter. Um, and so all those pieces come into play and everybody and every foot is different. Yeah, I wear um, super feet, by the way. So. What's that? Orthotic super feet. Yeah, so we used to sell super feet. We actually, ca we carry a couple now. We carry, um, there's a, a brand, um, our scanner actually is a brand called Atrex. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's a new brand that we just brought in, um, which is really kind of cool. It's called Curex. Um, and it's there. So they, they're, they're complementary of each other um, as opposed to just kind of having one style, uh, two different styles. And so they fit two different kind of customers for, for you know, several different things. Um, but yeah, kind of along that same line, I mean, some people need a little bit more correction. And so, t- so sometimes we add a, an insert into a, a neutral shoe to, to give some people some, you know, just enough support. And sometimes it's, you know, even with a stability shoe, uh, somebody's also in an orthotic, you know, and then at the same time, we also fit and scan people who come in with custom orthotics from their, from their doctor, their podiatrist or their sports physician, um, which we also utilize in the fit process and trying on a bunch of different shoes, but yeah, there's multiple categories of shoes. And then within each category, you know, uh, at, at this point in time, I mean, there's, you know, uh, shoes are getting a lot more specific, right? So you have, you know, shoes that you would use more for, you know, speed workouts or race day, um, as opposed to kind of like your regular trainer logging a ton of miles, um, different shoes. Maybe if you're running, you know, primarily a 5k or a 10k as opposed to doing some marathon training. And so, so I have, yeah, so I have specific shoes for race day. In fact, Jill, you helped me buy them a couple of years ago. So I have, yep. I have my Nike, uh, 4% uh, that, that I only use on race day, uh, right. because they're not really an everyday shoe. They don't, they don't look like they kind of last for too many miles, but, right. uh, but my, right. my everyday shoes are, you know, my stability shoes that, um, you know, I try to get, I don't know, 400, 400, 500 miles. So what's your recommendation on, on miles? Uh, it's or, about or, that. I mean, most of the brands will give you that, you know, um, in most data you see is, you know, kind of three to four, three to 500 miles, you know, which is a rule of thumb. Uh, honestly, a lot of folks don't necessarily track their mileage. They're not really good about logging miles into their app, which is really funny because there are so many apps out now that will track mileage for your gear yeah it's super easy to you do know? in garmin it is yeah, yeah i have a garmin in fact i like yeah garmin, I got from you. And, and um yeah uh, it, it is easy to do that uh but uh you have to enter the information and when you get the new shoes right yeah i want to yeah. add to what tim said one thing for your listeners uh, when they do come come to get fit the one of the most beneficial things you can do is bring the shoes that you're running in or you know a couple even two pairs of shoes that you've run in um we can tell a lot about what kind of support you need or don't need by looking at shoes you've been running in. So that's just another the wear. The, yep. the wear. Oh, yeah. Yep. yeah, everything is a tool. Yeah. And we also have uh, a bunch of different recovery shoes. So for not for during the run, but for after the run. Post. Yeah. So, so, so one thing, the, these racing shoes that sit in my closet, they've been sitting in my closet now for over a year. <laughs> yeah. Do they lose their properties over time? The I, I read that the. No, um, it, there's a slow. Yeah, there's a slow. I mean, so a there's a there is there's still a decline um, in probably what you're going to see when you run in that shoe compared to when you were the last time. Right. Because it's been sitting for so long, but it's not quite the same as if you were actively wearing it. But yeah, yeah like the product itself just over time breaks down, you know, but more so if you can, you know, if you keep it in your car and it gets really hot yeah. or really cold, mm-hmm. if you're just keeping it in a closet, it's 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 minimal it's probably okay yeah yeah so um yeah the technology's really evolved with running shoes um i was my, my last one of my previous podcasts i was talking with bill rogers and and he um he was talking about you know the the evolution of women's running and in fact back in back in the 70s the, there was no such thing as separate women's running shoes right they, mm-hmm. they wore the men's shoes and of course a woman's foot as you know is, is you know a little bit different than a man's foot and right. i think the shoes have been developed to to um you know, to, to adapt to the differences. 
So yeah, things have got things have gotten very specific. Yeah, between men's and women's, and um, like I said, I mean, there's so much new technology showing up in uh, in new footwear that yeah, sometimes it gets a little crazy. Yeah. So so besides shoes, then what other popular items uh, would I find? Just running, I presume running gear, clothes. Yep, we have apparel. Um, our most popular brands right now being Under Armour, um, which is a brand that has both men's and women's um, pieces. And then Wazelle is a really popular women's line. It's a women woman-owned company, um, and their their slogan is "Made by women for women." Um, so they are especially tailored to to our needs. Um, we have sports bras. We have a bunch of branded products. And going back to um, when we talked about the beginning of when we opened, we could not keep branded products in stock. Like anything that said four run three, be it a water bottle or a sweatshirt or a, or a t-shirt or anything, like people bought our four run three wear really quickly. So we have a bunch of that um, and uh, lots of nutrition choices, of mm -hmm. course. Yep, awesome. massage. Injury prevention and hydration. We have hydration vests and belts and percussion all guns. Anytime you need a percussion gun, slap down. Start working on you. <laughs> I've the never actually tried thing. a percussion oh, gun. Oh my gosh, gift! It's kind gift of crazy. from the gods. Yeah. Let me tell you, <laughs> yeah. they're 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 all that they say they are. They're they're uh, they're they pretty Santa good. for yeah. one. It's, it's like cool. foam rolling for for lazy people. It's the best thing ever. <laughs> It sounds great. So um, I'd like to talk about your training groups now. Um, so I back in 2018, I, I actually had the pleasure of running uh, with your Philadelphia Marathon training yes. group. I, I didn't I didn't actually join the group, but Jill was kind enough to let me join in once in a while as a, as a drop in runner. Uh, and, and I used to also come by after work on Wednesday evenings. I'd um, I'd run with a group and um, at the time I was I, well, you your group was training for the Philadelphia Marathon and I, I was training for New York, which was like, th I think three weeks prior. So yep. timing was pretty close. Uh, but, it, um, and it, I, I can attest, you know, firsthand that your running groups are very popular. There's, there's great camaraderie amongst the, the members of the group. And, and uh, you know, I, I see in your, your Facebook page, the runners, they, they uh, post their progress of, of their runs. Um, and, and it's a very popular group. I think the last time I looked, you had 840 members of your group of, on, on the Facebook yeah. page. On the Facebook page. Right. So our, our the 4Run3 Running Club is, Facebook group is really um, just the whole community. The part of the reason we named it 4Run3 was for the, for the uh, area code 413. We wanted it to be, you know, just the whole running community, whether they did our programs or not. So it's really, you got everybody on there. And we even have lots of people out of state as well. It's kind of crazy, even some international members. So um, that's blown up. But within, um, we also have groups where they, and each group has its own private Facebook group as well. So you don't get to see those, but um, we have groups for all levels. So right now we have a 5K slash 10K group which includes a beginner's 5K program where we start with a mile and work up progressively up to the 5K distance. Um, it is open to walkers, run walkers and runners. Uh, and then we also have, we also offer a 10K component or a 10K track to that group. So if people want, are comfortable with a 5K and want to progress to a 10K, they can, they, we have different routes for different groups. Um, and 
uh, we have a currently have a half group um, and all of these groups that have been going on since the day we've opened we've done several 5k and 10k groups we've done several half groups since in even during the pandemic uh, we just make them their own races <laughs> so we put our arch up and we put out our timing equipment and we make our own race mm -hmm. so we still have graduation races but that is the culminating event of every one of our training program is a graduation race um, sometimes with the marathon groups they end up doing different ones like you were doing new york and some people were doing philly and those split up a little bit but um we do have a half marathon um, race here on May 15th, and that's for our half marathon group. And we wanted, we asked them to come up with a name for their race, and they came up with the Core Run Teen uh, <laughs> Half Marathon. So that's the name of, and then it's their own private race, but that's what it will be. Uh, we also have a uh, half and full marathon group starting in June. Um, where people will train. So the June, in June, the full group will start um, and they'll start a 17 week training program. And then in July, the half marathon group will join us and they'll do their own. So each time, you know, it's the half and the full are mixed. There's lots of different route options. There's routes for the half group, there's routes for the full group. And even within the full group and the half group, there's different options. So some people, for example, in the full group, you could do track one where you're just you do one 20 miler and that's it and then you do your marathon we have track two for people who want a little bit more mileage and then they'll do multiple 20 milers it may be even a 22 miler so we try to open it up to all different levels so beginners would follow track one more veteran people who are working on um, improving their time would do track two um, so we give lots of options uh, we're running all over the community uh, East Longmeadow, Wilbraham, Longmeadow, Springfield. We go down into Summers. We go down into Enfield. We're all over the place. Um, but you know, what kind our, of services. So, what kind of services do you provide to your groups uh, in terms of you yep, know? Yep. So, so it's been challenging during the pandemic because normally I would do my coaching face to face, and we would do form coaching. So I do a lot with how to be a more efficient runner and how to have uh, less likelihood of getting injured. So how can you improve, how can we decrease impact and increase in efficiency? Because the very best runners are very efficient and have very little impact. So how can we be more like that? Um, so I do all sorts of form focuses before each, each session where we talk about a different form focus for that day. Um, during the pandemic, I've put many of those on videos and put them up in their private Facebook, type, Facebook groups. Um, so they could access it um, online if they weren't comfortable coming to the store or if they weren't able to get to the store. Uh, I also coach on nutrition. I coach on hydration. I coach on mental strategies, a lot on mental strategies because isn't that the hardest part? So <laughs> at least for the long distance stuff. Um, so we cover all sorts of different topics. Um, and within the private Facebook groups, we have motivational contests and people um, posting their experiences and sharing their own information and getting prizes um, for sh for sharing and motivating others. You also, I, I remember you did pre-run dynamic warm-ups. Yep. Uh, yep. Yep. We always warm up. 
post-run stretching. Yeah, we, we warm up together in the beginning. We get in a big giant circle and feel like fools out, but that's okay. It's great. Yeah, at um, this point after a long run, there's usually a bunch of folks sitting out here with their feet with up With their the feet walls. up because I tell everybody to put their legs up after. <laughs> we don't do so much post-run stretching together because everybody everyone comes, comes back, back at, different times, yeah. at different times. There's also aids. So we also um, oh, yeah. put up yeah water stops for the for the longer group. So now they're getting into the point where there's two, three water stops out there for the groups. And while they're running, I used to just do um, paper routes. So I would email and each week there's a newsletter for each group and the group gets a newsletter with the routes for the week. They can download the PDF maps. They could print those out and bring them or I give paper maps in the store. Um, also in the newsletter, there's links to articles that are related to our focuses for that week, um, announcements, stuff like that. But then we've also added um, run go, the RunGo app as something that we use. So the RunGo app will give you turn-by-turn -turn directions. So I, I create the maps and the routes each week. And some weeks, for some groups, I'm creating eight routes because we meet twice a week and there's different tracks. Um, and I put them all in RunGo and people get the free RunGo app and then they just look up my route and the route and if they bring um, headphones, it will connect wirelessly, then you can uh, hear it in your headphones or you can have it out loud and the, the app will tell you how, where to turn. So we've like we've gone into the technological age where we <laughs> don't need yeah. paper maps anymore because paper maps aren't so great on rainy days. So. No, or you, even at night, sometimes they can be challenging to read. Yeah. But we can't, we don't have the ability to go out and mark every single route. So right. that's, that's how we get no, around that. No. That's awesome. How many runners do you have? Your groups are pretty, you said they pretty, you had to cap them. They, yeah. they were so popular. Uh, in the pandemic, we've capped it at 50. We've bent the rules a little bit, but we've tried to stay within the guidelines. We've met outside more than inside. Mm -hmm. um, but we've had, you know, last year, or was it uh, 2019 before we even had a really had a space to meet in? <laughs> um, we had 120 people in our half and full marathon group. Like we have big groups. Um, and then uh, we just, so most recently we just started a 5K, 10K group and there's 72 people in there. So we've, we're starting to lift the caps as things open up. Yeah. Um, more and more people getting comfortable. Yeah. You know, I think there's still a lot of folks that typically would run with us in the groups that are, you know, still being, you know, cautious. So we'll get some of those back. Um, and I want to add for our, our half and our full group that is starting in June and July, our graduation race for that. I mean, people can do whatever race they want to do, um, but we're going to do a course here for, because there's so many people choosing to do the Boston virtual since it's open to all this year. I think you are right. Are you, are you doing the Boston so. virtual? Um, as assuming I get rejected from the Boston actual. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Okay. You might, maybe you, I'm sorry. Yeah. You might be well, doing the Boston actual. I did qualify um, with a three minute, 20 second cushion, but I don't think that's going to get me in. So I will do the virtual, but we will have a supported course here. Um, so we'll have water stops on it. We'll have the run go course that we'll make. Um, the roads will still be open. We won't do like, you know, we won't get police details and stuff, but but we will have a course that people can use for the virtual. So our training groups will train for that race, but then the outside world, not in the training groups can also do the race. And, so. and we are jackets proudly too. Yes. I don't know. I'm still not sure if I'm supposed to get a jacket if I didn't do the real no. one. No, I, I think it's okay. <laughs> My two cents worth. <laughs> all these, um, there's all these rules. <laughs> right, right.
So what's the profile of the runners who join your training groups? Um, it kind of spans the spectrum. I mean, we have, um, we have younger, you know, folks that are kind of new to running, you know, they're, uh, just getting into learning how to run their first 5k. We have a lot of seasoned folks. Um, we have some that are crazy fast, uh, and we have some that are crazy slow. You know, we have some that just walk. I mean, they literally, they join the programs, they will walk a half marathon, you know, but it spans yeah, the spectrum. We have people that still to this day, practice the, the walk run method, right? So they walk for a certain period of time, they run for a certain period of time, and then they go back and they walk again and they enjoy that. So essentially it's open to kind of like everybody, anybody that, you know, just kind of wants to put one foot in front of the other, essentially, you know. Yeah, I know folks who started running by using the, the Couch the 5K app, right? Mm -hmm. Which is what you just described, that you walk yeah. a little bit, you run a little bit and you progressively just run more until you're running the entire 5K. More. Correct. And that's kind of what the groups are is, is um, and pe people will move around. So they may come in, you know, for the beginning of, the, of that, that beginner 5K group and they're only walking or they're only walk running a certain distance. But by the time they're done, they've improved upon that, right? And so then their next program, they're then building upon that again, you know? And so that's kind of how the groups are put together. And so we do have those folks that have been training with us for a while. We have folks that are post-collegiate that, you know, uh, ran in college and are still looking to stay active and they're, you know, they don't necessarily need the coaching. They want the camaraderie. They want the, the support out where they're running those longer distances with the water stops and stuff, but they're, they're crazy fast, you know? So we, we have kind of a full spectrum of, of runners in the groups. Awesome. You mentioned you do coaching. Um, do you hire mentors to, uh, to help lead the groups? We did pre-COVID. Okay. We always had mentors, um, more so in our 5K and our 10K groups. We didn't have so many in the half and the full because it's really hard to, to have to run someone else's pace um, when you're talking those distances. Um, so we have historically had them in the 5k and the 10k groups just to lead small smaller pace groups um we did have them in the half and the full but they we found that they weren't as popular yeah. so but since covid started we haven't felt comfortable asking people to specifically run together yeah. so as of right now we don't have mentors but once this is all over we'll yeah. have them back mentors again. will come back yeah cool so uh, so let's talk about timing and, and race directing. Um, I, I know you manage the, the race check-in and timing for Goody's first race uh, in mm -hmm. Westfield. Uh, that, that's yep. a New, Year, New Year's Day 5K and 10K event. Mike Sheldon's the race director for, for that. Yep. Um, but I'm sure your race timing business has been hurt by the pandemic, obviously, um, with races you know having been shut down. But, but now that races will be allowed, um, do, do you have anything on the horizon? Uh, yeah, oddly enough, um, so we kind of had um, an idea that, we, you know, we kind of thought the governor was going to move into, you know, the next step of phase four and give some guidance on races at some point. And, you know, we've been in Massachusetts a little bit behind um, some of our other New England states, you know, so you can go to Connecticut, New Hampshire, Vermont, um, you know, and, and run races. In fact, that New Hampshire pretty much ran like all the way through the pandemic, you know, with um, some guidelines in place and restrictions and kind of time trial starts, you know, no, no, like mass starts. Right. Um, but in Massachusetts, it's been, it's been shut down literally since last March. So all of 2020, um, every race other than Gordy's, in fact, I think Gordy's was one of the last races that we had on the calendar, um, last year. And, and then, uh, when you hit St. Patrick's day, everything from that point on was either canceled postponed or went virtual. 
you know? And so, right. yeah, so it was kind of crazy. I mean, it, it's a, it's a huge piece for us of the business. I mean, um, one, because we're out in the community, right. We're at, we're at a bunch of different events and we're always seeing people and it keeps us, you know, kind of on top of mind. Um, but then we also find a lot of other business that way. So we bump into other race organizers or race committees or folks that are thinking about doing a race. Um, and so we, we've, yeah, we've recruited a lot of business that way too. And so that it, it's definitely hurt for sure. I mean, we canceled, I don't know, North of 45 races last year. Mm -hmm. Um, that's tough, but heading into this, heading into the spring, we put a race on the calendar with our fingers crossed that we might have in-person racing, uh, sometime this spring. And so we had a race on the calendar for May 16th, which is the celebrate Kate 5k, which we've been doing for a few years now. Uh, it runs over at Nathan Bill's in Springfield. Um, and so we put that up as in-person with a virtual option and, you know, and then the ability for, you know, participants to switch back and forth. And so uh, if they're not comfortable running in person, they could do virtual. Um, if when the time came for the race, they were in the virtual, but they wanted to run in person, we were going to allow people to switch back and forth. So they had all those options. But as we got closer, we were concerned that we weren't going to have uh, the ability to run the race. And Lucky, luck, luckily for everybody, the governor just gave us the okay for, for May 10th and that race is on May 16th. So it literally might be one of the first races in the region uh, that's going to happen. So over at Nathan Bills on May 16th is an in-person 5k. Um, yeah, we're putting together all the protocols and working with the Springfield public, uh, uh, the department of public health uh, and the guys over at, uh, at Nathan Bills to, to kind of manage everything and make sure that we have proper social distancing and spacing and take care of the start you know, for the beginning of the race, but I think it's gonna be a lot of fun. We're, we're actually really looking forward to it. Great. Yeah. When I looked um, at the registration page for that race a, a week or two ago, and it was virtual only, but so if I went there now or, or sh shortly, uh, I'll, I'll be able to register for the in-person event. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. In fact, um, so what happened was we put it up as in-person um, and I thought, you know, the expectation was that we would get the okay from the governor at some point to do in-person races, but we would have some type of a participant cap. And so as we put up registration, you know, you haven't had the ability to do in-person races around here. And so the numbers started to go up. And so we were concerned that if there was a cap that we would already be over that. So we actually paused um, in-person registrations, uh, not knowing exactly what was going to happen. And so as soon as the announcement came out, uh, we opened up uh, in-person registration again. So it is live on the, on that website. So if you go there, you have those options to either do in-person or still virtual. Um, and we'll manage, you know, the number as we get close to it. We haven't, um, there, there isn't necessarily a cap given. It was more so, um, you know, just being able to manage staggered starts, which we can handle. Right. So, mm -hmm. um, we're working with the folks over at Nathan bills to kind of manage more so what their capacity is, um, you know, at the bar and at their outdoor patio and stuff like that to manage how many people will have at the race. Okay, great. So um, you mentioned the city of Springfield, then um, I want to just move on to the Hoop City Marathon. So um, so back in 2019, there was a lot of buzz when it was announced that uh, we we would be having a Hoop City Marathon in Springfield. And, and I believe you were the race director for, for that event. Um, unfortunately, the city wasn't ready to pull it off at that time. Uh, and then in 2020, you had the pandemic, so that uh, so that killed it that year. Is um, what's the status today? Is so yeah, so that's pretty much correct, right? So we you, we were ready to go in 2019, and I think you know when we talk Hoop City, we haven't sat down and met with anybody who doesn't think it's a great event. I mean, from 
from prospective sponsors to uh, current sponsors, I think the event itself is going to be, it's really going to be awesome. Um, we thought we were good to go for 2019. We had to work around a couple of things and a couple of hurdles. And so we pushed it off to 2020, you know, uh, working with the city. Um, and then of course COVID hit. So everything gets shut down for 2020. Problem with 2021 now is we're so late into the year and everybody is literally looking at fall. Um, and I don't know how public this knowledge is, but the folks from the Boston Marathon, you know, Dave McGilvery Sports Enterprises is helping manage um, Hoop City. So Dimsey is uh, involved in the planning uh, of Hoop City and they are, they're gonna be pretty straight out in the fall. So we decided um, because of that, with everything that's gonna look, you know, with everything that fall is gonna look like and the congestion that's gonna be there, that we're just gonna push off to 2022 and launch the inaugural event for 2022 in the Springfield city, in the city of Springfield. Um, that way it just gives us the ability to spend some more, you know, some more time planning, get everything done, let everybody get back on their proper cadence. And, you know, your spring races will happen in spring instead of Boston happening in, in October. Um, and I think it opens up, um, yeah, just a better opportunity for us for, for our race in the fall of 22, instead of trying to compete with what will be an extremely packed race schedule for fall of, uh, of this year. I'm glad but to yes, hear that. It's it's, back. Uh, Def definitely going to happen. Um, we have a lot of folks that are extremely interested. We have sponsors that were already ready to go that will uh, will get back on board. And we're really excited to have um, a, a big event here in the area. I think it's good. Awesome. No, I'm glad to hear that. Uh, I, I wasn't sure whether, uh, you know, it, it, it was going to happen in the future, but it sounds like it will. So, so it that's is. awesome. It is. So, yes. um, so, um, I guess the last segment, I just would like to talk about your own personal running. Um, I, I think, uh, I know Jill, uh, Jill's a pretty, I think between the two of you, Jill is the more prolific runner, I, I think. Yes. Well, Jill's the more prolific distance runner. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> so, Jill runs a lot longer and she can have that. I have no interest in that. So I, uh, <laughs> I, as you may know, may or may not know, I'm also an eighth grade math teacher. Teaching has been really stressful. Um, owning a business during the pandemic has been really stressful. So running has been my savior. Um, I discovered that running with audible books is like the best thing ever. So I have done um, in the fall between September and December, I did three virtual marathons. Um, and doing a marathon all by yourself is not as bad as you think it would be. <laughs> Oh, it's, it's, it's not it's um, not fun Tim. so yeah. i have found solace <laughs> even tw in, 20 mile training runs by yourself aren't fun <laughs> i either. have found solace in my long distance running i also uh when i was qualifying for boston um tore my hamstring so i now cannot run fast but i can run far so i'm on the far course now um i'm actually training for my first 50k mm. also virtual <laughs> Um, I have a route planned all around the area. Um, I will leave with on May 15th with our half marathon group and then spin off and do my own 50K. So, wow. and then yes, after that, I'm planning on the virtual Boston. So 50K, uh, 31 miles. Uh, 31 so. point something. 31. Yeah, yeah. 31 something. So Nothing you, good happens after 13.1. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah, so um, which I might add, which I might add, you know, the half marathon is the fastest growing race distance in the country. So I'm with like minded folks, people like half marathon. 
I I agree with that. I mean, I, I probably haven't run in that many, but if, if, if you're a runner who, someone who runs, I don't know, 25 miles a week, or do if, if you do a you know, 10 mile long run on, on a weekend, then, then a half marathon really isn't that big of a step up. You could, you could do it with, I'll say minimal training and it kind of minimal recovery, but um, right. it's, so it's, um, it is. You can get uh, a lot of, yeah, that's true. Like you can get a lot of folks that are, you know, kind of your recreational runner into a 13.1, right? They can, you get them to a half. Full marathon training is, and even with our full marathon groups that we see, I mean, you know, our group will start, our full marathon group will start and there's always some attrition, right? Like sometimes people don't realize it's more than they bid off. You know, it, it's, a, it's a lot of time and it's a lot of commitment. And so I think that's where you start to see. And now I feel like, you know, the marathon is, uh, isn't even like the distance. Like now it's, you're not cool unless you're running 50 K 50 miles or a hundred miles now. So, so have you done ultras before Jill? No, this is my, this is my first 50 K. So I, well, actually New Jersey was technically an ultra because it was the longest race course ever. It was like 26.7 or something. (laughs) (laughs) So I consider that a no, no. And, and I expect that 50 K will be the longest I'll want to do, but you never know. I, uh, I expect to have some training, um, like mental issues after where I'm missing it. <laughs> so who knows, who knows what I'll sign up for. I am, um, shout out to Erica Emerson. I am going to be, uh, pacing her for the last leg of her Leadville 100. Oh, wow. So, so when's that? That is in August. Wow. I can't wait. Um, I'm glad I only have to do the last 12 miles because that is that a hundred K or a hundred miles, hundred miles miles. out and back, big giant Hills in the Rockies, in the Rockies. Wow. Yeah. So I have a a friend, Sarah Bousquet, who um, runs and she's training for uh, Vermont 100. I think that's in June. Uh, And that's, well, there's a hundred mile portion and a hundred K portion. I'm not yeah. sure which one she, yeah. I think she's I'm in the sure Eric, Eric has done that one and yeah. killed that one. So oh, wow. Yeah. No, I believe yeah, it. I with Eric. <laughs> yeah. They do a 50, they do a 50 mile too and a 50 K. Yeah. So, um, so do, do you have a, so you're a Tim, uh, more of a, I guess half marathon than you. Yeah. I mean, I've done, I don't know, three, four, three, four marathons. I mean, I, you know, I get rooked into them. So I've done a couple, um, so do you have right. a favorite? Is there, do you have a favorite event? You know. Oh gosh, um, I don't know that I on the marathon side or the half marathon. No, side? whatever, either. Um, I mean, I guess I would probably have to say my my favorite half marathon was Newport, Rhode Island. Really nice. That was a, a beautiful run. Yeah, I I um, ran. I don't know if it's the same course. I, I ran the Newport Marathon. Yeah, which is, I think this, well, the year, I mean, I've, we've done it a couple of times. Of course, I did the half and Jill did the full. Um, and I think the full, the, the first half for the full was the same as the, as, the, the, as the first half. So we ran together and then they kept going to do another loop. So yeah, yeah that would probably be my favorite like course. And, you know, that's the thing we struggled. It's funny because that's the thing we talked about with, with Hoop City was, you know, our limitations, right? So we, so we don't have a coastline to run by. And so, yeah, you have to kind of play off other things to make it um, appealing. And what's really cool about out here in Western Mass is like, we have some really nice parks and some, some decent areas to run through. And of course the, the history of, you know, basketball, and that's where kind of Hoop City, you know, kind of grew from, but when you can get to a destination race like that, um, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Philly was, when we, uh, when we did Philly, that Philly was fun. Um, 
it's a, a, a like a really nice part of Philly that we went through. I mean, you ran it, right? You I ran it. Philly? Yes. Yeah. 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 It's... Philly was nice. We had a lot of fun on the second half, like the out and back, running by all the uh, the um, the guys out drinking, and <laughs> we had a couple of beers on the way back. <laughs> cool. Cool. No. No. I, I I liked running by the the rocky steps uh, at the yeah. the halfway point and right. and right near the end. Yeah, there's always some, you know, the cool thing about doing a destination race like that is, I think, is, uh, is being able to see different places in the history of some of those places. I mean, we did New Jersey. It was really kind of cool to be at Asbury Park. Um, that was a lot of fun. Um, of course, we've been down to Texas. My in-laws live in Texas. And so Jill's family's down there. So we've done Fort Worth a couple of times. And you run through like the old stock, you know, the stockyards and stuff. And it's kind of, yeah, that, I think races like that that have something that's unique, um, it's a draw, you know. Sure, sure, yeah. absolutely, yeah. Like New York City Marathon, just for, you know, running through the the five boroughs of the city is, is right. special. Special. I mean, some ways more so than Boston. I mean, the Boston Marathon, you you're only in Boston for the last uh, you know what a ten miles, if that, right? So, right. Uh, but um, anyway, uh, so thanks for uh, joining me on on the uh, Let's Run uh, podcast. Uh, I hope to see uh, you at a at a race event later this summer yes it was our pleasure thanks for having us and uh yeah we're looking forward to being back out in the community and seeing some folks we haven't seen in a while you know and being back out race day is you know you just can't you can't replicate that in a no, virtual no event. no so, it's yeah, a we're looking special forward feeling to, right we're looking forward to some some race day mornings yeah i am too so uh, all right take care thanks tim As was mentioned in the podcast, starting on May 10th, in-person road racing events have been allowed to resume in Massachusetts. However, organizers must submit race plans to local boards of health for approval. The Celebrate Kate 5K will take place on Sunday, May 16th at Nathan Bills in Springfield. This will be an in-person event with a virtual option, as well as a two-mile walk. The local running clubs have been hosting time trials in which runners run on their own and submit their time. But now that in-person events have been allowed to resume, I anticipate that these time trials will revert back to the standard race format in the upcoming weeks. I know that the Empire One Running Club has submitted plans to the Holyoke Board of Health to resume their Thursday night races at Ashley Reservoir and has also submitted plans to the Westfield Board of Health to resume their Monday night races at Stanley Park. So there's a good chance that the first in-person race will take place at Ashley Reservoir in Holyoke on Thursday, May 13th. I'm recording this segment on Sunday, May 9th, and here's the weeknight running rundown as of right now, although the status could change at any time. On Monday nights, the Empire One Running Club three-mile cross-country run takes place at Stanley Park in Westfield. This will soon be the traditional race format. On Tuesday nights, the Sugarloaf Mountain Athletic Club 5K cross-country run takes place at Burt's Pitts Road in Northampton. This is still a time trial format. On Wednesday nights, the Greater Springfield Harriers Summer Sizzler events take place at Forest Park in Springfield. On Wednesday, May 12th, they'll be running on the 5K cross-country route. This is still a time trial format. And on Thursday nights, the Empire One Running Club 5K run takes place at Ashley Reservoir in Holyoke. 
This is pending approval of the Holyoke Board of Health and the Holyoke Water Commissioners. This event will be the traditional race format starting at 6.30 p.m. Searching through running in the USA, I found another upcoming local event. The Bay State NICU Family and Friends 5K and 10K is scheduled for Saturday, June 12th in Wilbraham. It's not clear to me from the registration page whether this is an in-person event or, or a virtual event. I'll try to get more details in a future podcast. As I mentioned in the previous podcast, in-person racing events are starting to take place in other New England states. On May 2nd, the Providence Marathon took place and had 578 finishers, including my friend Sarah Bousquet. It was Sarah's second marathon in three weeks as she ran an event called the Cheap Marathon in Salisbury on April 11th. Sarah will be my guest on an upcoming podcast to talk about ultra running. While looking up marathon results, I stumbled upon a nice website, marathonguide.com. This site has a calendar of upcoming events and has results as far back as 2000. It has a look and feel of the old cool running website that was unfortunately discontinued. However, this is for marathons only. It sure would be nice if there was a similar site for all running events. And speaking of marathons, the BAA announced that they've accepted 14,609 runners out of 23,824 applicants, or 61%, for the 2021 Boston Marathon scheduled for Monday, October 11th. To be accepted, a runner had to run at least seven minutes and 47 seconds faster than the published qualifying time. By the way, I was fortunate enough to have made the cut for this, thanks to my aging up into the 65 to 69 year old age group. The remaining runners in the 20,000 runner field will be charity runners and invitational entries provided to running clubs. I received an email this week that this year's Bridge of Flowers race in Shelburne Falls has been canceled. In this statement, they mentioned that the majority of their race committee has retired and that trying to find new members has been difficult. They are hoping that a local running club or race management team could take over the Bridge of Flowers race. It would be sad to see this race end as it has been held for over 40 years and is one of the more high profile running events in Western Mass. Bill Rogers and Joe Martino shared their memories of the Bridge of Flowers race on a previous podcast. Thank you for listening to the Let's Run Western Mass Running Podcast. If you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe and share with your friends. And as always, Happy running.